You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolmus and Brandon Lee Gowell? Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 77. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Uh, this is a, uh, a special podcast that we're doing here for you today uh, because uh, we don't have BLG on the podcast. Uh, I had the opportunity to speak to uh, one of my colleagues at Westwood One. Uh, many of you know that that's uh, my full-time gig is uh, working at Westwood One. And, of course, Westwood One Sports does most of the NFL content contests, including the playoff games and the Super Bowl. And the voice that you probably most recognize uh, in association with Westwood One Sports is the great Kevin Harlan. They're the the number one play-by-play guy for Westwood One Sports and the guy who has done all of the Super Bowls basically from the last decade. And I had a chance to talk to him about the upcoming 2019 season. So we'll get to that in just a minute. And I'm going to have some Philadelphia Eagles over-unders for you coming up in just a few minutes as well. But first, uh, let's get to the interview that I did uh, with Kevin Harlan. I was Good enough to take about 20 minutes to to chat with me about uh, the Andrew Luck stuff and what's going to be coming up here for the 2019 season around the league. And we talked a little Philadelphia Eagles stuff as well. So check it out. Well, Kevin Harlan is one of the country's most prolific play-by-play men, both on TV and the radio. He broadcasts NFL and college basketball for CBS, does play-by-play for the NBA on TNT. And with the NFL season a little over a week away, he's gearing up for his duties as Westwood One's lead announcer for Monday Night Football. He's also called nine straight Super Bowls for Westwood One, second most in radio network history behind Jack Buck 17. That's right around the corner for you, isn't it, Kevin? Feels like it, yeah. You know, I we all uh, aim toward the the big game this year. It'll be in Miami. It really is such a nice way to tie up what is a long but incredibly joyous ride through the NFL schedule. And I think all of us that are involved in broadcasting NFL games, whether on radio or TV. Enjoy every second of it and feel we're very privileged. Yeah, I mean, the and to do the Super Bowl, I, I just I imagine has to be surreal. Each and every year, you get a chance to do it. You've you've done the last nine of them. Do you have a favorite Super Bowl or or one that's more memorable than the others? Well, they, they're all great. They've all got some kind of special place in my memory. You feel incredibly honored to be in that seat with that headset on. And you just mentioned Jack Buck, who I grew up listening to, and. And I have got so much respect for all the broadcasters that have broadcast Super Bowls, whether on radio or television. So it is it is an incredible honor, as big an honor really as you could have as a football broadcaster. But the last couple have involved some very unique situations with the Patriots in particular, winning two of them, coming back from a 28-3 deficit in the second half to Atlanta and winning that game in overtime. And then the uh, the, the great uh, play by Malcolm Butler for the Patriots to intercept a Russell Wilson pass at the goal line as the Seahawks are moving in on the Patriots and and 
just smear that victory mm-hmm. out of Seattle's grasp and give it again to New England. You know, what we're seeing with the Patriots is something so historic, probably the best ever head coach, perhaps the best ever quarterback. And, and so it makes it an, an incredibly unique situation, wonderfully compelling to watch them do it with such consistency every year. But two of my biggest memories are those two involving the same team, same quarterback, and same head coach. I'm going to ask you about the the Patriots a little bit more in, in just a second, but as a, as an Eagles fan, Super Bowl 52, your calls in that game were extremely memorable for for all of us who who root for who root for Philly and um, obviously I think you had the of all the people of all the calls I heard, you hands down had the best call of the Philly special. I mean, I got to imagine that was a surreal moment calling that play, something I play we don't we haven't really ever seen in the in the Super Bowl before. Well, you're right, and it was full of uh, creativity and trickery and mis uh, misdirection. It, it had all the elements that can make an NFL play so enjoyable, and with the stage so big and the light so bright, you know, for them to call that play at that time was very unique. And as a play-by-play guy in radio. You're, you're always just trying to connect the dots because you're thinking of your listener at all times. Right. So when you think A to B, B to C, C to D, and then D back to A again, you know, you're thinking, wow, you know, hopefully that came out okay. <laughs> and, and, and so, as I recall, my expression of, you know, what did we just see? Mm-hmm. Well, it was very organic and like, like, God, I hope I called that right. <laughs> that's, yeah. what I, that's what I probably wanted to say, but it was such a, a great play and so well conceived that you, you you don't forget something like that for sure. Let's talk about the uh, the season coming up here, Kevin. And I think the story of the preseason so far is obviously the the shocking retirement of, of Andrew Luck. I mean, I I was uh, just sitting at home with my father. I uh, was visiting us and uh, uh, couldn't believe it when that news came down. Where where were you when the Luck news was breaking? And and what's your reaction to one of the more shocking retirements we've ever seen in the NFL? Well, I was, it was a Saturday night, and I was um, with some friends, my wife and some friends, on a boat in a, a very uh, secluded cove on Lake Michigan. And we were cooking dinner in the back of this boat, and uh, they had a TV on, um, and they were able to carry the Florida-Miami game. And, of course, at the bottom of the screen, I just happened to catch breaking news and saw that, and I go, what? Surely that can't be right. right. And then, you know, as you look at your phone, now you see Adam Schefter breaking the report for C4 ESPN, and you're just you're just taken back by, you know, what that means and what it represents, and truly one of the best five quarterbacks in pro football before his 30th birthday in saying he's finished. I mean, it was just, it was shocking. And I can't recall anything that, earth-shattering in a long time uh, so that really took I think everybody off guard yeah especially for a quarterback we I mean I think Neil Lomax might be the closest comparison for a quarterback who hung it up early but I mean he had a, a degenerative hip condition so I mean that that's quite a different thing than a guy who yes has been dealing with a lot of nagging injuries and I, I thought it was interesting in in comparison to uh, Rob Gronkowski held a news conference uh, earlier this week where he was talking about a, a cannabis oil company that he's working with but he the 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 part that I took away from that was he was asked about coming back to the Patriots, and he surprisingly retired. 
retired before the season. It wasn't as surprising, obviously, as luck, but, you know, Gronk was talking about the toll that the injuries have taken on him, that he just wasn't able to have any kind of quality of life, and it seems like that's the story for luck as well. And I I wonder your thoughts about whether or not this is kind of a dangerous time for the NFL as they've lost two of their biggest stars because it just hurt too much to play this game. What, what are your thoughts on, you know, where the NFL is right now with regard to these two retirements and what these guys are talking about and dealing with pain? Well, I applaud the NFL for the way they have met this head on and have tried to change the narrative, the culture with injuries and diagnosis and safety. I mean, everything the NFL does now from rules to equipment deals with safety. Now, in any sport, there are inherent issues, whether you're playing tennis, if you're in competitive swimming, or if you're playing college or pro football. I mean, there are just that physical activity is going to spawn issues with your body. And these are two guys who happen to get the most out of their performance, out of their athleticism at a very young age but their bodies were breaking down. A lot of bodies don't break down. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I mean, the names go on and on. So for as many stories as we see like this in the most publicized sport in our country, there are other stories about guys that have taken nicks, have come back, have persevered, and have decided to continue playing. So it seems like the stories that these two individuals have cast, draw these gigantic headlines, whereas we need to balance the story and say there are just as many older players in a very aggressive sport that have decided that they are going to uh, continue playing and are able to manage the pain and the injuries. So, as with every story, there are two sides, but certainly this is jarring for the NFL to see two very headline players Uh, call it quits at a a young age. Now, Gronkowski is headed to the Hall of Fame, and there's no doubt. But with luck, I don't know that his body of work would necessarily guarantee him a spot in Canton. And he knows that as he retires and gives up that, as well as hundreds of millions of dollars, perhaps, that, that could have come his way had he played deep into his 30s, like Breeze and Brady and Rogers. Yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, Brady at the at the top and, and the New England Patriots. It really is remarkable the fact that he is still going, that he misses so little time, and that he's still playing at the top of his game. And I just wonder, with Gronk out now, out of the picture, and, and Brady another year older, at some point, one would think, un- unless, unless Brady is a machine, that at some point this run by the Patriots is going to end do you think it could be this year that somebody's able to take down New England and, and the dynasty starts to fold up the shop? Well, we kind of say that every year about them because <laughs> we we how long can this go on? Right. I mean, it, it's shocking, and the consistency is unrivaled in pro football history. I mean, we're just seeing something that's never taken place. So uh, we say that every year, but we're dealing with the, the cleverest, the most skilled, the best head coach in pro football history who is manipulating the drafting process of the Patriots, their roster, their schedule, in terms of how they prepare each and every week. Um, They lose great assistance. The attrition on his staff has been notable, yet they come back every year with, with more. And that, to me, is the sign. Sometimes it's not getting to that peak and achieving that success 
it's maintaining the level, which is the most amazing and eye-opening to me. So I would never cut the Patriots short. Brady may not have the biggest hand in their success, but he is certainly in that first sentence of all their success. Others kind of step to the fore. Uh, Somebody puts in a magical performance, and you need that if you're going to win a Super Bowl regardless of team. But it usually ends up with Brady having a pretty big hand in their success. And to me, that's historic. It's, it's, it's about as, as wonderful a story that, that any reporter could cover in this NFL. Who in the AFC, if New England was to go down, do you think has the best chance of taking them out? Well, I, you know, Kansas City is obviously with Mahomes, the reigning MVP, um, a very explosive offense, uh, an improved by the people they've added. I would say the Steelers are constantly in that conversation. And then there's always a dark horse, a team you don't expect. And and who knows where that might come from. But uh, certainly the Colts are in that conversation, I think, until Luck decided to retire. So mm-hmm. it does open up the AFC for sure. But, but I really think that um, uh, there, there's going to be that team that we're not even mentioning right now, aside from the headline teams, like Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and the Chargers, that will step up and, and certainly make a stab at it. Over in the NFC, Kevin, one of my big predictions for the year is that I think the the Rams take a big step backward. I think, you know, those teams that lose the Super Bowl, there tends to be that hangover effect the following year. It's remarkable the number of teams that lose the Super Bowl and either fail to make it back to the playoffs or basically scrape in and get a wild card. I've got concerns about Todd Gurley's health. I'm not sold on on Jared Goff. Do you do you see the Rams as as the favorites in that conference to get back to the Super Bowl or or is there another team you think has a chance to knock them out of their place? Well, I do like the Rams. I, I think they've got a, a, an innovative coach who uh, thinks through these, as, as all these coaches do. But I, ju- I just think he has kind of a different way of approaching camp and offseason and personnel and relationships with his players and getting their minds right. Um, Sean McVay is, is a gifted young coach. He's much like Belichick is any young coach in the NFL right now and, and, and does things kind of outside the box. And I, I think that that type of attitude with a team that I felt, you know, even last year had so much ahead of it certainly has got to be, you know, in that final couple of weeks of the season. I think with Drew Brees in New Orleans, again, you're looking at a, at a quarterback who has willed his team and franchise with a very innovative coach to, to continually be in that conversation. And then, and then I think Dallas. I think Dallas is about as strong as they've been in many years. I would dare say that the Cowboys may have as good a team right now, even, even without Ezekiel Elliott, as they did back in the 90s when they were really champions of the NFL. I, I think the Cowboys are incredibly strong and, and really a team to watch. So, like the AFC, I, I think there are many possibilities here. There's no shoe in in each conference. I, I think it will be wide open. Uh, even with these teams I've talked about, there's always that team that surprises and shocks. I really think we'll see that in both conferences this year. 
Your comments on the Cowboys, uh, they hurt me, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> just <laughs> as an Eagles fan, obviously, you know, we, we, sure. we have some disdain for that particular ball club. And, you know, I was going to ask you, I, I was wondering about, you know, with the Ezekiel Elliott and the holdout playing out there. And, you know, a lot of conversation is Dak Prescott going to get his extension. And there's Amari Cooper, who is in the last year of his deal. And you traded a first round pick to get him. You know, whether or not these contract situations going on in Dallas would affect their play on the field. But judging by your comments, just now you don't seem to think that'll be the case I don't I think they know they're going to get paid I think you know it's up to the Cowboys obviously to work it out but there are there are too many dollars on the table to be ignored and if the reports are true that Elliott will become the second highest paid running back in the league at a position that is diminishing in value it seems although remains I believe ultra important in an offense and if, if Dak Prescott can look perhaps not a hometown discount, but can realize that his salary cannot paralyze that team and what they can do around him. And if Amari Cooper knows that he has a new lease on life by being traded from the Raiders to the Cowboys, if there'll be just a little semblance of logic and trust, I, I think they'd all find themselves well-paid in a position to win with the most celebrated franchise in pro football. So I, 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 I would like to think that, that they will come to some kind of an accord uh, with all three of those young players, realizing they're really on the cusp of some great things. They've assembled the team. It's kind of in place. Uh, they're ready to go. They just need to get some things dotted and crossed, and I, I think it'll happen sooner than later, actually, with those three. Kevin, a couple quick things, and then I'll let you go. I uh, just wanted to ask you a couple questions about the Eagles uh, before we before we finish up here. And obviously, all of our eyes are on Carson Wentz. I think he's the key to this this team getting back to where it wants to get, which is, of course, the Super Bowl. What do you think Wentz needs to do here this season to get back to where he was when I think everyone agrees he would have won the MVP award in 2017 had he not gotten hurt? True, and I just think he needs to... Um kind of reclaim that same feel of his game. Um, it, it is very obvious, as it is with any ACL, blown knee, that it takes uh, more than a year. There are the outliers like the Adrian Petersons, but did he come back too early after eight, nine months? You know, people continually ask that question. So I, I would give Wentz kind of a pass on what happened last year and say that, that this year he comes back the same quarterback he was when they went to the Super Bowl and Foles took over and led them to a championship. Uh, I, I think that the money they're paying him, the new contract extension, I think all that makes total sense. He has every box checked for what you want in a quarterback. I think that Howie Roseman is built around him well. I believe in the franchise. I just think that there, there are teams right now, Rams and Cowboys in particular, Saints because of Breeze, and I'm not even putting Green Bay in that conversation or Chicago because I'm not sure if they're going to cannibalize each other in the division. I, I, I just, I just, but I, I would put Philly with, with Green Bay and Chicago, more with Chicago than the Packers as a team that, that could really come up and, and make a statement. But I, I just think a couple of things have got to kind of click their way uh, for that to happen. I, 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 just, I, I think they've got everything that we saw a couple of years ago I just think the quarterback needs to find his game again, and I really believe he will. And the best is ahead for the Eagles. Uh, I love their coach. Uh, Doug has shown that he can call plays, be innovative, 
stay with the latest trends. He can coach quarterbacks. And Roseman has shown that he can draft. He can sign guys off the street. He can put together a roster. So I don't mean uh, the, the omission of putting them at one of the top two or three teams is not by design. It's by feel at this time. Mm-hmm. And they can change the narrative very quickly in that. Absolutely. Well, listen, Kevin, I know you got a busy schedule in front of you. You, you call the Green Bay Packers preseason games as well, and you've got a, a full slate of NFL action coming up on Monday Night Football for Westwood One this season. You're terrific at what you do. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes to chat with me about the season, which gets underway in just over a week. I appreciate your kind words. Always fun to visit. Thank you so much. Well, up next, we're going to get into some of the Eagles over-unders uh, from betonline.com and uh, see what we think the Eagles might be doing this year as far as win totals, yardage, all that kind of stuff. That's up next here on BGN Radio. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back on BGN Radio. So before we wrap up, it's always interesting, I think, at the beginning of the year to look at some of the the Vegas odds makers over-unders because Vegas has a pretty good handle on this kind of stuff. They're not always right, but they really know what they're doing when they set these over-unders. A lot of them you really have to think about. They're not because you can talk yourself into one or the other. And so let's start off with Carson Wentz because I thought a couple of Carson Wentz's over-unders were very interesting. They have his over-under at 3,500 yards passing for the season. Now let's take this into context. He passed for 3,782 yards in his rookie season. So in his only full season that he played his rookie year, he went over 3,500 yards. He had 3,296 yards. So he fell about 200 yards short in 2017, but he missed the last three games of that season. So in last year, he also came a little bit short, but again, he only played, and I think it was 11 games last season. So I believe that this number is totally dependent on Carson Wentz staying healthy. Carson Wentz stays healthy. I think he sails past 3,500 yards easy. I think he approaches 4,000 yards this year, more than likely. And so, yes, I think Carson Wentz is going to be healthy this year. I don't think he's going to miss many games, if any games at all. Maybe that's just uh, optimism and and hope on my part, but why would I go into the season thinking that a quarterback is going to miss a certain amount of games? I don't go into any season expecting a quarterback to miss any games. If it happens, it happens, but I don't think you can go into the season planning on losing a guy for three or four games. And so I think if he plays a full season, yes, I think he sails past 3,500 yards. And I think there's a good chance that even if he misses a game or two, he still probably clears 3,500 yards. So I think that's an easy over for me. Total touchdown passes for Carson Wentz this year. They have it set at 29 and a half. Again, I think that's a low number. I think Jordan Howard may vulture a few goal line touchdowns here and there, but I think the Eagles are still going to throw the ball a lot around the goal line. And I think I think he easily gets into the 30s. Again, because he, I think he's going to stay healthy. So Carson Wentz going over 3,500 yards passing, going over 29 and a half yards, t- uh, 29 and a half touchdowns. Um, and then how many games will Carson Wentz start? In the 2019 regular season, the over-under is at 14 and a half. Now, <laughs> that's basically saying if, if you expect Carson Wentz, Wentz to miss, miss two games, then he's, you got to take the under on that 
two games is not much. A lot of times quarterbacks miss two games during the course of a season, but I don't think that's going to be Carson Wentz this year. I really don't. I really think if he misses a game, maybe it's late in the season when they don't really need him. But I think Carson Wentz makes 15 starts this year at least. I would take the over on Carson Wentz starts at 14 and a half. I might be in the minority on that one because I know in the last two years he hasn't. He hasn't gotten to 14, let alone 14 and a half. But I'm going to go on the optimistic side and I'm going to take the over on Carson Wentz starts at 14 and a half. But I do think that is a fascinating number. Um, Jordan Howard, total rushing yards in the 2019 regular season, 750. And they have Miles Sanders at 650. I think I might even reverse those numbers. I would take the under for Howard and I would probably take the over for Miles Sanders on 650 yards. But it really is going to be interesting to see how this running back situation shakes out because I, you know, we haven't seen much of Jordan Howard here in the preseason. We have seen a fair amount of, of Miles Sanders. We haven't seen a ton, but what we've seen is impressive with him running the ball. He's clearly their most dynamic runner. But Jordan Howard is going to get a volume of carries, I would think. He's probably going to get 15 carries a game. Will Miles Sanders get the number of carries that Jordan Howard gets? He might not. But Miles Sanders might do more with those carries. This might be more of an even split, 700-700. I could see Jordan Howard finishing with way more touchdowns than Miles Sanders because I think Jordan Howard's going to be the guy they use at the goal line. But this, it, this, is, this one is tricky. I would stay away from anything having to do with Eagles running backs this year. Whether you're playing fantasy, fantasy football, whether you're betting over under here on these, I just would stay away from the Eagles running back situation until we get a little bit of a clearer picture how this is all going to shake out. Because I, I really don't know how they're going to put out the distribution. I mean, when you looked at LeGarrette Blunt and Jay Ajayi in 2017, it was, it was a pretty even split. And, you know, when you look at these two running backs, they're kind of comparable. I don't think that Howard is as forceful as Blunt was, but... Blunt was the short yardage guy, the goal line guy. I think that's going to be Jordan Howard's role, the first down guy. Miles Sanders is going to be the guy who's the shifty, speedy guy like Ajayi was. I think Howard probably, I mean, Miles Sanders probably has more of a chance to break off those long runs that the team was missing last year. I don't think Jordan's ripping off any 50 or 60 yard runs, whereas I think Miles Sanders, you could see him do that a few times this year, and that's a cheap way to get a bunch of yardage without a whole lot of carries. So... I'm st- I would stay under from these numbers. I would stay away from these numbers, pardon me. But if I had to choose, I would probably take the under for Jordan Howard, under 750. And I would probably take the over for Miles Sanders at 650. Looking at the receivers, uh, the top two receivers on the team, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, looking at their receiving yards. They have Jeffrey's receiving yards at 900. And they have Deshaun Jackson's receiving yards at at 700. Now, Alshon Jeffrey hasn't reached 900 yards receiving in a season since 2014 when he went over 1,000. I don't think this is the year that changes. So I'm going to take the under on Alshon Jeffrey going over 900 yards receiving. I mean, it's been since 2014 that he's done this. Now, Deshaun Jackson, on the other hand, in just 10 starts last year, had 774 yards. So clearly more than the 700. And again, he he only started 10 games last year and still went over 700 yards. So I'm taking the over on Deshaun Jackson. He's shown that with his big playability, with the way he can get down the field and get those 70-yard touchdown catches, 80-yard touchdown catches, 
he, like Sanders, I think will have the opportunity to pile up a bunch of yards on relatively few catches during the course of a game or a season. So I'm taking the over on Deshaun Jackson at 700 yards receiving on the season. I'm taking the under on Alshon Jeffrey at, at 900 yards. And he's, I don't think any receiver gets 1,000 yards simply because this team is going to go to a bunch of two tight end sets this year. I think that is going to be that is going to be a thing that happens. And I think if you're talking about an interesting over-under, an interesting over-under is the percentage of snaps Dallas Goddard is going to play this year. At the end of the season last year, when they went heavy in 12 personnel, Dallas Goddard played more than half the snaps. So that might be the line I set it at for for Dallas Goddard. Does he play in 50.1 or 49.9% of the snaps? I think it's... I think it's going to be hard for him to get that many when you have when you still have Nelson Aguilar and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside that you want to get some touches to. I think it's going to be tough for Dallas Goddard to get that many snaps, but we saw how successful this team was last year when they did go to 12 personnel. So I would take the under on Dallas Goddard getting half the snaps this year like he did over the last, was it five games last season, I think, when he was over 50%. But it'll be interesting to see how they utilize all these. That's one of my questions coming into the season. How are they going to utilize all these different guys? They've got so much talent on this team. That's a lot of mouths to feed as well. So we'll see how they do. Um, and that's, this goes for the touchdowns as well. They, the over-under for Alshon Jeffrey touchdowns is six and a half this year. And four for Deshaun Jackson. I will take the over on Jeffrey with touchdowns. I think Jeffrey's going to be a guy they can find a lot close to the end zone. He's obviously not going to score any long touchdowns or not going to score many long touchdowns this year. I wouldn't think. Just the connection that he has with Carson Wentz isn't the same that it was with Nick Foles. And I hope that they have been working on that a little bit this offseason. It sounds like in training camp that there maybe was starting to be a little bit of a connection between Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey. But we got to see it in the regular season. We didn't really see it a whole lot in 2017 as evidenced by the fact that he didn't rack up all that many yardage into all that much yardage in 2017. But we know that Jeffrey can get the ball in the end zone. We've seen him score touchdowns. And so I think six and a half is a low number. I'm going to take the over on Alshon Jeffrey just because, you know, he is a guy that I think will be valuable inside the 20. And we've seen him be able to use his body to shield him, to shield other defenders away from the football and for him to be able to get up to the highest point and bring it down. As far as Deshaun Jackson goes, he's going to be reliant on breaking short plays into big runs or hitting the bomb. And, you know, are they going to be able to do that more than four times this year? Maybe. But I think if, I'm, if I have to choose the over-under on touchdowns for Deshaun Jackson, I'm probably taking the under. Well, no, I'll take the over. I think both these guys will achieve the over on touchdown throws. If we're saying the over, that's at least seven for Jeffrey, and that's at least five for Deshaun's. So that's 12 touchdowns. And if we're talking... Yeah, we're talking 35 to 40 touchdowns for, for Carson Wentz. That sounds about right to me. So I'll take the over on both guys for touchdowns. I think those numbers are a little bit low. We're looking at the tight ends now. Zach Ertz, total receptions in 2019, 90 and Total receiving yards, 950. And total receiving touchdowns in the regular season, 7 and a half. I think we... He's so good. He's so good. 90 and a half is a lot, though. And if they're going to play Dallas Goddard a little bit more, the touches for Zach Ertz go down a little bit this year. I think the targets go down a little bit for Zach Ertz this year. So I'm going to say I'm going to say under on the receptions and receiving yards. Seven and a half touchdowns is a lot. But Carson Wentz loves looking for Zach Ertz, especially inside the red zone. I'll take the over on receiving touchdowns. 
for Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz probably will end up leading the team in receiving touchdowns. And so uh, I'll take the over on seven and a half on touchdowns, but I'll take the under on the yardage, 950 yards, and I'll take the under on the total receptions, 90 and a half. Uh, for Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, they're looking at sacks. Uh, they have the over-under for Cox with eight and a half sacks and the over-under for Graham at six and a half sacks. I'm going under for Brandon Graham. He's only gone over six and a half sacks once in his career, and that was in 2017, the Super Bowl season, when he had nine and a half sacks. So, again, he's never been a big sack total guy. He gets a lot of pressures. He gets a lot of hurries. He gets a lot of tackles in the backfield. But we haven't seen Graham have only just one quote-unquote big sack season, and really nine and a half sacks for an edge rusher is not that many. It's a good number, especially with as much as the Eagles rotate their defensive ends. But uh, if I'm looking at the, if I'm looking to put money on an over/under number for total sacks for Brandon Graham, yeah, I'm staying underneath six and a half because he's only gotten over six and a half once in his career. As for Fletch, you know his injury situation makes me a little nervous. The fact that he hasn't played at all or really practiced at all this spring, or barely, barely any. Eight and a half sacks, though, is a number he should be able to leapfrog if he's healthy. And everything we're hearing from the Eagles is that they're just keeping him out as a precaution, that it's nothing serious, that he'll be ready to go by week one. And if that's the case with Malik Jackson helping to take some of the pressure off of him in the middle of the line, you might see a little bit of an easier time for Fletcher to get into the backfield and and get to the quarterback if Malik Jackson can uh, take a little bit more attention away. And, and Timmy Jernigan is said to be looking really good in this preseason as well, that if Jernigan is, is re, you know, kind of re, rejuvenated and can generate some pressure, it'll, it'll make things easier for Fletcher Cox. So I'll say, I'll say over eight and a half for Fletcher Cox as far as total sacks go. I'll say under six and a half in total sacks for Brandon Graham. And I'm going to have a whole list of over-unders uh, with some more uh, than just this. Uh, we'll, we'll get some we'll get some additional over-unders as well in a piece that I'm writing for Bleeding Green Nation. Should be up the, uh, by, uh, by Friday or by this weekend. So if it's uh, not there right away, it will be there um, working on that uh, as we speak. But uh, in the meantime, just a, a few fun over-unders uh, for this Philadelphia Eagles team as they get ready to open the season in just over a week against the Washington football team at home. So folks, that'll do it for this episode of BGN Radio. My profound thanks Thanks to Kevin Harlan from Westwood One Sports uh, for coming on the podcast with me this week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on BGN Radio. BGN.